0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It's my task this morning to follow on after Pastor Tony, who's done a series with us called Eyes Wide Shut, about how we are blinded to the spiritual realm. We can't see the air, but it's all around us. In fact, if you and I didn't participate in taking air in and expelling air, you wouldn't be here for very long. We can't see it. Most often, we can't smell it. Mostly, you can't taste it. But if it's absent, so will you be from your body very quickly. The Spirit of God is likewise. The Spirit of God is likewise. But there is another enemy who remains just outside of our vision, who is invisible to our natural and physical eyes, nevertheless impacts our lives and will take advantage of us where he can. Tony talked about his little friend who sat back here on the throne and even went to the extreme of wearing him like a a necklace. But they can put a squeeze on you when they get bigger that is uh, life-changing. And that's what the enemy tries to do to us, is put a squeeze on us, take away our life. But I want to say this to you today, And I want you to hear this clearly. If you forget everything else that I say, you need to remember this. He, the devil, and his cohorts have been defeated. Jesus is the conqueror. He is victorious. If you need a pretty picture, if you need a funny picture... The word defeated provides that for you. Can you imagine how you could stand on the ends of your shin bones or on your ankles if you were defeated? No feet. You wouldn't stand up very long at all. He is defeated. He can't stand up, he will topple over. Scripture says that he's like a roaring lion running around, a big roar. No action. You know how lions do hunt in the wild? Is they take the big oldest lion and they get him to roar. They don't make him run. He just wanders around to the appropriate spot and he goes, (laughs) Roar! And the gazelles and whatever else runs the opposite direction, what they don't realise is they're running into a trap. But the toothless tabby is the one that's put out the front to roar. And the devil is like that. His whole game is intimidation. If he can intimidate you, if he can undermine you, if he can upset you, if he can get you off balance, if he can undermine your faith and trust in God, if he can lift from you, as as one of the parables talks about, he comes to steal the word out of your hearts, then he's achieving his purpose and his goal and his aim. I love the words that Jesus said as he came back from the temptation that he had personally with with the devil. And if you haven't heard that message, you need to hear it again. Jesus, in John chapter 14 and verse 30, said these words. He said, I won't speak to you too much more, fellas, but you need to know this. The prince or the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. There was nothing that Satan could put his finger on in Jesus Christ. There was no sin. There was no rebellion. There was no difficulty. There was no bad attitude. There was nothing in Christ that Satan could put his finger on. That's why Jesus could successfully and absolutely trade his life for your life. And he could do it because he was without sin. So that's my introduction. And we're talking about accusations today. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 it says, in addition to all it says, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows, all the fiery darts of the evil one. You will be able to put them out. You can Send them back on themselves. You don't have to receive them. You don't have to be burned by them. You don't have to be touched by them. Why are they coming? Because these fiery darts fire at our lives to endeavour to undermine our faith. They do it with comments of slander. They do it with comments of, you don't really believe that, do you? You don't really trust God, do you? And it's been important for us here today as Tony's already example to you that we honour the surgeons. We thank God for a fit and healthy body. And I have to admit his body's probably a little bit fitter and healthier than mine. (laughs) But I think I'd prove a challenge to him to lift me because I'm a man of substance. (laughs) We, We... Lost me point. That's not good, is it? I got to leave the joke alone. Now that's terrible. The enemy tries to get a take advantage of us, take hold of us, to try and undermine us, and he'll use whatever he can to do that. But what we have and who we are in Jesus Christ, what He has done on our behalf, is more than enough. More than enough. And we need to know that. We need to be established in that. The enemy tries these sorts of barbs like, do you really think God cares about you? And because some of our dispositions are, basically you can divide a line and you can say, half the people alive today are extroverts. And half of the rest of us are introverts that's that's a that's a that's a very broad brush statement but it's it's somewhat true and so because those who us those of us who are introverts we don't we don't necessarily push ourselves we we have sneaky ways of getting our own way but we don't we don't push ourselves the enemy sneaks up on us and he whispers in our ear and says Do you really think God cares about you? Oh, yeah, God cares about Pastor Tony because look at him. But do you really think he cares about you? Do you really think he cares about who you are and what you are? Well, I have to announce to you, introverts, I have to announce to you who are quieter and and, and less self-proclaiming that God cares about every one of you. You would not be here. You would not be here except God himself breathed spirit into you and gave you life. You would not be here. And for all you dear ones who are extroverts, you notice how so I'm going to the oldies of are extroverts? To all you extroverts on this side of the congregation, to all you extroverts, we can push our own barrow. We have to learn we have to learn how to honor the Lord and Savior and watch our mouths because the same we would not be here you would not be here except that the Spirit of God has breathed life into you it 's the same for all of us everyone, everyone so remember these fiery darts that come our way these innuendos, these words that come, these, you're no good, you're bad, God's never going to forgive you, you've done this wrong, you've done that wrong. Why did they look at me that way? Why did my family reject me? Why did, there's a thousand arguments that can be used that he will try and get on the back of to try and hurt your life and destroy your life. Remember this, that these darts are part of a faith battle. They're part of a faith battle. And whenever you have a battle, you have a choice. You either have a choice to overcome by faith or be disappointed in the end result. And it's the same every time. You can either be an overcomer or an undergoer. And I encourage you, I encourage you, every time you come under pressure, every time you feel off-centre, offside, every time you just feel like this is, this is messy, I don't know why, I don't know how, but this has been difficult for me, I want you to realise that there are, being fi- there are fiery darts that are being fired at your thinking, that are being fired at your understanding, being fired at your feelings, And if you rely upon your feelings, if you rely upon your human thinking without the Word of God framing it, you become a sucker for those promptings. And they will hurt you and they will get at you and you will feel less than good. You can't rely upon your feelings. I began watching a football, listening to a football match just yesterday. And there at one point, the leaders at the top of the table wrestled and tussled with a something less than the best team around just one point made the dip, just one point between them it was a fight and I thought man alive I tipped those guys and they're going to go under but eventually what happened? the Bible says and oh, not the Bible says <laughs> can't find football in the Bible the commentator said The leadership team has stood up and led that team to a crushing victory or a good victory. Did you hear what he said? He didn't even know what he was saying. He said the leadership team, in other words, a few of their stars, stood up and led the team to a victory. And all the supporters who were there went from, "We might are we going to lose today? To, yeah, we're the winners. Their feelings changed in a matter of half an hour. And if you'd gone to them in that third quarter and said, how are you feeling right now? Oh, I'm a bit worried, I'm a bit nervous. I don't know what's going to happen to us. If you went to the same person three quarters of an hour later and said, how'd you go? Ah, oh, we're the winners. We are the greatest. Is <laughs> how they would have announced themselves. And just before you start to poke fingers, the other half of you who vote for the other team playing this afternoon, you're about to take a feeling ride as well. Or maybe you've already discounted them. I'm not sure. I'm not going to go there. I need to move on. Let's just for a moment look at Old Testament truth. There's a passage of Scripture here in the book of Job. Now, I don't want to get into all the... You can throw it up on the screen for me. Thank you. I don't want to get into all the details of this passage of Scripture because one side of it is talking about a man. One side is talking about a situation which occurred. But I, wanna, I just want you to see something about our enemy. I want you to see something because in a little while I want to show you something that has changed. There was a period of time when Satan could come and present himself before God. When he could walk into the presence of God and he could point his finger at God and he could point his finger at people and he could... Uh, Accuse God of protecting them, or he could accuse them of wrong motives and of wrong wrong actions before God. He brought his accusation right to the highest level, right to the throne room of God. And God said, Where have you come from? And he said, I've been walking around the earth. I've been roaming around looking at things. What's he looking at things? He's not looking at the latest Maserati. He's not looking at the best homes. He's not looking at who's got the finest boat or who wears the finest clothes. He's looking at human nature. He studied human nature. And he can see by the, way we po- by the posture we hold. He can see by our body language. He can see by the look on your face where your thinking is. He cannot get inside your head, but he can see where you're at by just our outward disposition or by what we say out of our mouth. I feel really bad today. I feel really miserable going lower and lower. He says, oh, good, I've got an opportunity to get in here. I can get to this person. Now, I'm not encouraging you to be unrealistic. If you've got a headache, it's good to admit it. Say, I've got a headache today. But don't sink under that, say, I've done two things. I've taken a Panadol after I prayed to God. When I had to have some surgery some time ago, not quite of the same magnitude as what Tony has, but as I went into the, sur- the last thing I did as I'm lying on that, that, in that room and they're about to put the gas mask on and ask me to count backwards from a 100 and I think I got back to 97, I don't remember. The last thing I did before that, I said, God, I am here. I submit myself to your covering, control, and protection because I am not able at this point. I am anesthetized. I am out of it. God, I submit myself to your protection. That's where we need to live, under the acknowledgement of the protection of a God who loves us. And he loves us that much. He's not just gonna leave us alone. He's not parked you on the side of the plate and forgotten about you. He loves you too much for that, far too much for that. So Satan had come walking around looking at humanity, and so then he begins to accuse Job and says, "Job's just a goody-two-shoes because you bless him all the time." And that's that's talk about talk about front talk about. Not caring. Talk about... He's in God's face. Such was the development of sin within him. And his, you know, his real difficulty was that he took the, the creative genius that God gave him and Satan, Satan instigated or Satan discovered or more than that, Satan actually formulated rebellion, which is sin. Satan did that. He used God's power... To make sin, He ain't popular. But you see, because God is God, God is absolute in every direction. God is absolute in love. God is absolute in justice. God is absolute in His wrath toward those things that are wrong. God is absolute in kindness and peace. God is absolute in hope. God is absolute in reaching out to us. God is absolute in every direction. You and I can't understand that. It's impossible for my finite brain to get a grip on a God who is infinite in every way. But by very definition, God means that he is absolute in everything. I'm glad I can trust a God who is absolute. And so he comes in and he's he's mocking God. He's 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 poking it, he's you know, doing all those rude things. I don't do those rude signs, but he would probably do them as well. He is giving God a hard time. God trusts the relationship that he has with a man. And he says, you can touch the man, uh, you can touch the things the man has, but you can't touch the man himself and the story goes on you can read it if you read the last chapter or two you'll find out that he he has given back more than he ever lost but satan had a legal right to walk into heaven this is the point i'm after because when adam sinned he had received the spoken word of god he had received the command of god You can eat of this, you can eat of that, but that tree over there, that's the one you don't eat from. Now, I don't think it was that that tree was, you know, someone once said it wasn't the apple on the tree, it was the pear on the ground that caused the problem. I I don't think... Okay, that's the end of my jokes. I don't think it was the fact that it was an apple tree or a nectarine tree. Oh, man, now we're talking... An apricot tree, now we're talking, for some of you, a cream puff tree. No, it's not what what the tree was. We're not looking for the kind of tree that it was. We're looking that it was a disobedience to go and eat the fruit of that tree. They had everything else they could eat from. It's not a matter of hunger or any stuff like that. They were told not to eat. From that particular tree. And they did. And because because Adam had received the direct command from God, when he went and joined his wife in partaking of that tree, he entered into disobedience. The authority that he had in God to name the animals, to subdue the earth, to control things, to tend the garden, to do all the stuff that he was doing, Sorry, I used that word twice now. To do all the creative acts that he was doing. That's better. He was doing by the delegated authority of God. When he joined Satan in rebellion, he gave his authority to the devil. So now the devil has a legal tender. To come into heaven, he has a legal right to be there, he has a right to accuse and say this and that. But Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus always was God's answer. I'm just, I'm just, I just marvel. I marvel at the patience of God. How long he withheld his hand from doing things? How long he he bore? How long he was long-suffering with various peoples and nations? There was an opportunity to wipe out one nation. God said, no, not yet. He said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, God gave them, and in fact, he gave them almost another 400 years before he finally said, under the leadership of Joshua, go into the land, take it over. Take over the properties, take over everything. Do it. How we bore with men and women throughout Scripture that we look at. He didn't say, okay, one strike, yep, you've done that. Two strike, yep. Three strikes, you're out. God is not like that. But whilst He is offering love and forgiveness, His justice and His judgment stands there also. And so He needs a perfect sacrifice. He needs a proper legal out. He needs a step, a standard of righteousness to be lived out. And Jesus did exactly that. Even when Jesus came to be baptised by John, John said, oh, he said, you're the Messiah. You're the coming one. I should, you should be baptising me, Jesus. And Jesus said, no. He said, to fulfil all righteousness. I need to be baptised with you. Because the baptism that John was doing was that that sinning Israel, that rebellious Israel could come and say, we can't do this by ourselves. We need you, God. We need to be ready for your Messiah. And they were doing this baptism that was repenting of the way Israel had gone and preparing themselves to be a people to receive God's answer. And Jesus as the answer Submitted himself to that baptismal rite in order that all righteousness might be fulfilled. You see, God in his perfectness, God in his absoluteness is not leaving and has not left any any stone unturned in rescuing you and me. He is... His love has rescued us. His mercy has rescued us. His grace has rescued us. His hope has rescued us. His his future vision has rescued us. His ambition for us to do works for him has rescued us. But so has his judgment and his justice. Oh, we have been rescued by every caliber of the nature of God. God has stepped into that ring on our behalf. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17 to 20. It says the 70 returned because they had been sent out on a mission journey by twos, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18 and he said to them, I was watching Satan fall like, from heaven like lightning. And then he says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Now the balancer, so that we don't get carried away and get too lopsided the balancer is, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. Don't rejoice in the fact that you can come in there in the name of Jesus, casting out demons or whatever. Don't rejoice about it. He says, nevertheless, he says, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. You see, God doesn't want us to get focused even on the negatives of life. He doesn't want us to get focused on the negative actions of his enemy. He doesn't want us to be negative in any way. He's not happy in us having that negativity in us. He wants to remove that negativity from us at the same time giving us authority to protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our loved ones, protect those that we consider close and near and dear beside us. When Jesus Jesus said, I can see Uh, when they came back sorry and they said, the demons were even sorry, he could see Satan's control and power collapsing. And when he said, I saw him like lightning fall from heaven, he could see that at the point of his cross, when Jesus cried out and said, it is finished that from that moment onwards, Satan would have no more right to enter into heaven and accuse the saints of God. I want to say this to you, and I say this wholeheartedly, and I say this with every weight. If I could come and just plop on your lap right now and let you feel the weight of what I'm about to say, I wish you could feel it. I'm so glad that I'm living under New Testament covenant and not under Old Testament. I don't hanker to go back there. I, I have said in the path, oh, I would have liked to have been alive when Elijah was out there. I would have liked to have been alive and seen Moses open the Red Sea. Oh, I would have liked to be. Yeah, well, that would be exciting, but it only happened once. But we in this life, every day... Yeah. Have the opportunity to walk in victory, to walk in authority, to know God walks with us and smiles upon us, to know His favour in our lives. Today, He is with us. This is Pentecost Sunday. When you go home in an hour or so's time, this building is empty. It's empty of you and it's empty of even the presence of God because God goes with you you. The reality of Jesus in your life today is performed and brought to pass by the agency and the person of the Holy Spirit. You have one of the Godhead resident in you. But as Jesus said, when He comes, He's not going to teach something new. He's going to take of the things that are mine and He will show them to you. And one of those things He's showing you to you is how to use your authority to overcome the works of the enemy, to stop those fiery darts that come into our lives and hurt us as accusations. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, you don't have this verse. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. The devil sinned from the beginning. But the Son of God has appeared for this purpose, to destroy. Yeah, that's right. To Did you hear the word? Yeah. Destroy. Not just nullify, not just put on a maybe yes, maybe no. To destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Destroy it. Eliminate it. Some might say, well, why hasn't God removed the devil? If God removed the devil, how would you grow your faith? Hello? (coughs) When you sharpen a knife, all the husbands here, all the men of the house, when you sharpen a knife, do you get out the pound of butter or margarine and slap the knife onto the margarine? Yeah, come on, get sharp, get sharp. You're probably all too young to have a, a leather strap to sharpen on, but you don't sharpen it with butter. You take that knife and you go across to a little handheld thing or maybe it's this thing on a little can opener and you pass the knife through a pair of emery wheels or through a couple of sharp uh, shears and as you lean down on the knife and withdraw that knife through that sharp area, there, that, if that knife could talk, it would say, as it came through those shears. Because it would be suffering in order for it to have a sharp edge for you, it is suffering. And your faith will have to go through tests and trials and tribulations. Your faith will, dare I say it, suffer a little in circumstances because God is wanting to put the sharp edge of His life in you and on your life and protect you and keep you safe. Beautiful little verse of Scripture. Again, it's not gonna be on the screen for you. It just says, God has not given to us a spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. Yeah, of love, good. of love, we need mercy, we need grace, we need compassion toward others. Yeah. Love of power, the word would be better rendered, the word is dunamis, but the word that's in the, in the Greek script is exousia, which is the word for authority. God has given to us, Love, his love, he's given to us his authority and he's given us a sound mind or self-control or temperance in the things that we do to understand, to live in a good way, to live in a way that protects us. You don't go and, uh, different subject, sorry, let me come back to where I am. God has not given to us a spirit of timidity. Yeah. If you are ever feeling intimidated, I don't care what your feelings are, but if you're ever feeling intimidated, it's not God. Yeah. If you're ever feeling pushed into a corner, backed up against a wall, if you ever feel like the, the walls are gonna fall in on you or the, or the dam's broken, the whole thing's coming down on you, that's not God. God. That's intimidation. And I tell you this, if you'll just take a step forward and say, go back, stop, cease, go. That thing will evaporate before your eyes if you have faith to believe it. Jesus stood on the bow of the boat in the middle of a storm. He wasn't intimidated. The disciples were intimidated because it fed their natural thinking. Jesus stood in the, middle, in the front of the boat and he said, peace, be still. He didn't even have to shout it. He just knew the authority that he had. Now that leads me to a whole different subject where we need to talk about and understand how well do you know God? How well do you know your heavenly Father? How well do you know your loving brother the Lord Jesus Christ? How well does the Holy Spirit and you get together and pray in tongues? And how how well do you know God? He's not gonna give his authority away to someone who doesn't know him or is being stupid with it. Yeah, good. Authority comes out of relationship. Yeah, good. Authority is born in relationship. None of you have my bank card. None of you can get into my accounts. None of you can touch whatever money I do or don't have. But my wife can. I... Now to balance that, I have to say I can touch her money too. But you see, there's a relationship there. There's relationship there. Don't try and live your life as a Sunday Christian and live outside relationship the rest of the week. Please, 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 don't try and do it. You are you are positioning yourself for frustration and hurts. Keep your eye on God. Keep your relationship sweet and close. I have just but a few minutes left. The enemy uses a slander tactic. He just loves to come along. And if he can undermine your faith, if he can undermine your strength, if he can undermine your trust by his sneaky, dirty, grubby, horrible words, he will do it he will pull you down. In fact, you need to have a bit of righteous anger about you. Who does he think he is? I am a son of God. The price paid for me is 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 beyond measuring. Can't measure how God took the thing off the took the person off the top shelf of heaven and said, "Son, they need a savior." Will you go? This is the bigger thing, that Jesus knew he was going, I believe, before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Yeah. See, God knows everything and he knew if he made a world, and he made people, that there'd be a possibility that something could go wrong. Yeah. And so he, he, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, it didn't catch him unawares. He already had a plan in place. The verse in the first part of Ephesians says, before the foundation of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain. Now I'm a creationist, unashamed creationist. I believe when God said it, it happened. Whatever you read, God said it, it, that's what happened. Right there, right then. Forget the millions of years. I hate the dinosaur books, although there were dinosaurs. Oh, I'm on a subject. Naughty boy. Naughty boy. I believe when God said it, that's what happened. Jesus in heaven, for me, had to sit on his hands for 4,000 years watching their creation go awry. Go wrong, get caught up in sin, get hurt by the devil. He had to sit on his hands until the appointed time came, and then he had to come and be like us in order to redeem us and save us. I can't get that. that that's, that's a staggering thought. That amazes me. Just remember this that the devil never fights fair. Even when men box in a ring, as brutal as that may be, or the wrestlers, oh no, we won't go to the wrestlers. We're a bit worried about them. Even when the men box in a ring, there's always a referee there. And just before the bout starts, he says, touch hands, break clean. When I say stop, stop, return to your corner. There's always rules. Even in a boxing ring. If If they don't obey the rule, they're disqualified. The devil doesn't play games like that. He's playing for keeps. Last verse. John chapter 10 and verse 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you think about that, I'm not sure what the right English term is for it, but it's If you've got life, how's it going to be added to you more abundantly? If you've got life, how can that be multiplied over to you? Because God's saying it is abundant. Let, Let me just pull this verse apart for you just in these last couple of minutes. The thief comes to steal. He comes to steal from you and I our hope, our understanding... Our health, our well-being, our peace—he comes to steal family from us. Comes to steal purpose in life. He'll come and steal if he can, even the word of God out of our hearts. He comes to steal from us. Don't ever think that the devil's just someone out there who's doing a job that that that, that he he actually is kind of going to give, give you a go later on or return to you something. The devil has come to steal. Anything and everything. Jesus defined it, announced it here. He comes to steal. Then he comes to kill. Because if through his prompting, through his getting involved in your life, getting around your life, if he can bring you to a death point, before you make a decision for Jesus Christ, before you acknowledge God, before you open your heart to God. And the Bible plainly says that you die in your sins. And if a human, if a human person dies in their sins, they die without Christ. They go to the sad place that's reserved also for the devil. So the devil wants to steal from you and the ultimate aim of stealing from you is to kill you. He doesn't care anything about you. All he wants to do is hurt God. For those of you who are chess players. Please don't think little of me when I say this but this will adequately illustrate it. There are many times a chess player will sacrifice his pawn in order to gain one of the main... take out one of the main players of the other team, of the opponent. The devil considers you and I pawns. He has no eternal interest in you at all. And if he can destroy you now before you respond to Christ or have that moment of breakthrough in Christ, whichever way that comes, then he has spat in God's face. He said, yes. This is why the Bible is full of, let's be evangelists. Let's bring the lost to Christ. You see, they are lost. They don't know what they've lost, but they are lost. They are blind. They can't see what they're missing out on. They need to be brought to the truth. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because if we die in our sins, our hope for eternal life is destroyed. Now, before you all go really quiet on me, Jesus said this, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly multiplied over. I'm gonna give you everything that you need to succeed in life. Can I have the band come and join me? Sorry, the musicians and singers. Come and join me, please. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.